The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Amen. What is the posture of repentance? What is the posture of repentance? For just a minute, I want to invite you to imagine yourself. I want you to imagine yourself the last time you said you were sorry to someone. I'm going to give you a minute because I know a lot of you and it might take a while. (laughs) Because you don't have to say you're sorry much was the point of that. It doesn't have to be for a massive misgiving or a sin. Just the last time you can really recall apologizing. The last time you stood person to person with someone and said the words, I am sorry. Take a minute to reflect on your posture whatever you can remember about how your body felt in that moment. Where were your arms? What about your gaze? Where were your eyes focused? What was the state of your heartbeat in that moment? Was your body facing towards the person or... Were you slightly turned away? What was the tone of your voice? The rhythm of your words? What is the posture of repentance? In 2009, our Congress and Senate decided to make a public apology to black Americans. Do any of you remember this? Raise your hand if you remember the public apology to black Americans in 2009. Well, that tells us something right there. The sentiment, the sentiment of the statement was truly very simple. We cannot move beyond that which we do not claim as truth. And so they did, and from that came an apology to black Americans In part, it reads, and I promise I'm not going to read this whole thing to you, but in part, it reads, whereas after emancipation from 246 years of slavery, African Americans saw the fleeting political, social, and economic gains that they had made during Reconstruction eviscerated by racism lynchings, disenfranchisement, black codes, and racial segregation laws that imposed a rigid system of officially sanctioned racial segregation in virtually all areas of life. And, whereas an apology for centuries of brutal dehumanization and injustice cannot erase the the past, but confession of the wrongs committed and a formal apology to African Americans 
will help bind the wounds of the nation that are rooted in slavery and can speed racial healing and reconciliation and help the people of the United States understand and honor the past. The apology continues at length with many well-thought-out words about how slavery and the consequences of the system of slavery continue to oppress black Americans. The words are powerful and frankly beautifully written, but, but it ends with this. And I quote, Disclaimer, Nothing in this resolution authorizes or supports any claim against the United States or serves as any settlement of any claim against the United States. These final words in this apology have come to be known as the reparations disclaimer. What is the posture of repentance? When you imagined yourself earlier apologizing to someone, do you recall your posture? Did your posture impact the potential for you to be forgiven? Did your posture impact the potential for true reconciliation? Today, we begin together in a season of personal moral inventory and repentance. And so it seems important, it seems crucial, to ask ourselves, what is the posture of repentance? Since October, this is the third time I've taken this pulpit after a mass shooting. This year, there have been 40, and it's February 18th. Following each shooting come words of condolences to the families of victims. We lament together the deaths and we mourn our moral decay. But when we even hear about these tragedies, what we hear is we are sorry but then what we hear after the condolences is similar to what we heard in the reparations disclaimer. What we hear is that any condolences stated do not serve as a claim against us and they cannot be used to hold us accountable. What is the posture of repentance? The truth of our faith, the truth of the season of Lent, the truth of Jesus' call to us to repent, is that if we lament and we repent without any possible claim against us, without any accountability, then the season of Lent and our communal lament is nothing but personal theater. We were reminded on Ash Wednesday by the reading from the prophet Isaiah and in Todd's sermon that fasting and prayer and confession are all in preparation for the resurrection. 
but not our personal resurrection, not our personal salvation, but in fact, for our communal life. In resurrection, there will be reconciliation. But Isaiah reminds us, we become the repairers of the breach. We become restorers of the streets to live in. Yet, we cannot be this vision of repairers and restorers if our lament and our confession statements are followed by disclaimers. If there is no room for accountability, if there is no room for action, then there is no room for resurrection. There's no room for reconciliation. What is the posture of repentance. When Jesus is driven into the wilderness and meets Satan, when he refuses the temptations of power, greed, and arrogance, what is his posture? When Jesus refuses these temptations, does he add a disclaimer? When you imagined yourself making an apology, did you add a disclaimer? Or did you leave room for accountability and a claim held against you? I know, believe me, I know, it is human nature to want to defend ourselves when a claim is made against us. But this posture of self-protection leaves no room for change, no room for new life, no room for resurrection. If we are to give up anything in this season of Lent, let it be our posture of self-protection. Let it be our disclaimers. Jesus offers to us a model, not only for new life and resurrection, but for a posture of true repentance, which is in the end a posture of sacrifice. If we are to move beyond the consequences of generations of slavery, if we are to move beyond the consequences of gun violence, of greed and arrogance, and the consequences of our own personal sin, it will take more than an apology, more than lament. It will take all of that and a posture of sacrifice. Today in our gospel, Jesus doesn't just avoid temptation. Jesus sacrifices the ultimate personal power and prestige that Satan offers him. Jesus could have had all of it. I truly believe this. Satan could have provided these things to him if he had, in fact, agreed to worship Satan. This isn't just a parable. I truly believe that Jesus was offered all of the power and prestige of a king, and he turned away from all of it when he said, away with you, Satan. But Jesus did avoid the temptation of power and greed, precisely because, if you remember, right before he's baptized by John, and what does God tell him? God tells him, From the heavens, you are loved. And with you, I am well pleased. Jesus becomes clear in the wilderness that his work in the world, 
is reconciliation and he takes a posture of sacrifice. But because he knew he was loved, he had no need for self-protection. He offers us in opposition to self-protection, he offers us a model of loving sacrifice. What are we being called then to sacrifice in order to usher in this reconciliation and this resurrection that we have been promised? Power, pride, arrogance, Lent is a time to listen like Jesus did to the sins of the world, to listen deeply to the ongoing consequences of sin, and yes, to repent, but knowing that we too are loved, deeply and utterly loved by God, and even though there is sin, we are told the kingdom of God is still near What will our posture be during Lent? Will we put a disclaimer on our lamenting to protect ourselves from accountability? Will we give only condolences to our victims? Will we write beautiful words of apology and lament that only make personal theater of our sacrificial faith? Or will we, like Jesus, take a posture of sacrifice and be willing to remain in the wilderness long enough to listen? Long enough to really listen to the sins of the world. And then can we ask ourselves, are we willing to really ask ourselves, what are we being asked to sacrifice? Personal and political power? Are we willing to sacrifice our guns or our economic security that is rooted in the insecurity of others? Will our posture make room for accountability and will we together claim, accept the claims that are made against us? The question really is, will we, when we meet Jesus, 40 days from now, in his resurrection, as resurrected people, will we be at all changed? Will we be at all transformed? Will we be at all ready to restore the streets we live in? The question is, what will our posture be when we meet the risen Lord Indeed, the kingdom has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Amen.